We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Blue Wire. Welcome back. This is the Big Blue Banter New York Giants football podcast. I'm Dan Schneier. Joined as always by my co-host Nick Filato. Today we're not going to waste any time. We're going to dive right back into this running back preview. We obviously cut off the Barker. There was a lot to say there and an overview of the position. We do want to get to some things that we have planned, which is a breakdown of all the rest of the backs on this roster. Three big questions, burning questions we feel facing this position group. One stat to remember, and then one question from the listener. We picked the best question. Sorry if that wasn't you, but just know you can do better next time. <laughs> All right, let's get to Devontae Booker, the perceived RB2 for the Giants. We broke him down a little bit during his uh, during the intro to the position, Nick, but why don't you get into a little bit more of what makes Booker as a prospect for the Giants, how he might fit in this power gap predominant system, how he might fit with Daniel Jones as quarterback with all the talent around him in Jason Garrett's system, all that good stuff. Let's start there. Yeah, we touched on it last episode a little bit, but things that I like about Devontae Booker is the fact that he can be a three down back. And I don't know how long he's going to be able to do that. I don't know if that would be able to last throughout the entirety of a season, but he has the build to do it. He has the skill set to do it. And he can execute a lot of different responsibilities in order to do so. But it's funny because I think back to when uh, Josh Jacobs was hurt last year and I'm a fantasy football player. And do you remember when Devontae Booker traveled from the West Coast to the East Coast to play the New York Jets and he got absolutely stifled in that game? I do believe he's a little bit better than what happened in that game when the Jets, their defense, kudos to them, they just absolutely shut down what Las Vegas and John Gruden wanted to do. But things that I like about Devontae Booker, he does have vision. He does have that one-cut ability. And I think his burst is solid. Now, he's not overly explosive. He doesn't have deep speed, but I don't believe he's a plotter either. I think he has a little bit more juice than that. And he also has the contact balance to kind of shed those arm tackles and also fall forward, which I do believe is important. That's what happens when you're you know, five foot 10, 220 pounds, you're built low to the ground, you run behind your pads, you churn your legs through linebackers who attempt to tackle you above the midsection. I mean, I believe Devontae Booker is usually going to fall forward through those types of situations, which you like to see. And also, he saw it as a pass protector. I believe Corey Clement probably is a little bit better than he is, but I believe he's probably better than Saquon Barkley at pass protection. And he's also an a, a capable receiver, I would say. Somebody you can rely on, dump it off in the backfield at college. I want to say he had like two receiving touchdowns, but he was used pretty extensively at Utah as a receiver. So he can do everything you need him to do. And the biggest reason why that's important is because last year when Saquon Barkley got injured in week two, it was down to you know a, a few different running backs, but really it was Devonta Freeman, Wayne Gallman, and Deion Lewis. And Deion Lewis found the field way too often. And what ended up happening? Everyone knew what the Giants were going to do. They weren't afraid of Deion Lewis running up the middle. But guess what? Devonta Booker, he can run up the middle, man. He has that ability. He has that vision. and He can lower his shoulder and run through those tight, tight, narrow corridors. Now, I'm not saying he's this excellent type of Pro Bowl back, but I do believe the Giants have brought him in for a reason with Saquon Barkley's injury. And I do believe that Devonta Booker can execute that role at a solid manner. I got a take on Booker and why I like the signing and why I think... He could have been prioritized by the Giants before I get there. <laughs> I was completely distracted by you reverting, almost in a Reek-like fashion. You know when Reek was on the boat and he couldn't do anything? Spoiler, spoiler! Hopefully that's not a spoiler, but listen. It's almost in a Reek-like reverted fashion where you went back to Devonta Freeman, even though you've been told, you've had evidence presented to you that it's Devonta Freeman. 
Also, by the way, just to let you know, you do refer to Devontae Booker as Devontae Booker. Is that just because there's an E at the end of his name? I think it makes more sense for that to be Devontae. Wouldn't and that be Devontae Booker no, in your logic? No, no. That wouldn't be Devontae no. Booker? T-A-E makes T sound in my mind. And, okay, even though Devontae Freeman has confirmed that his name is Devontae Freeman. Did Devontae Freeman confirm it or was it They Devonta called him Devontae Freeman on the broadcast. I, don't, and, I haven't heard him now. Devontae Smith, Devonta Smith has confirmed yes, it to me. Devontae Freeman, I'm not sure okay. if he has. Well, listen. I'm really, dude, I'm, I'm stretching, bro. You know, <laughs> I, the, the top shelf, I'm stretching right now. You're going to get the, you're yeah. gonna, for now. I feel like I'm on an island, right? I'm, I'm the, uh, I am Reek because I'm on the island right now. <laughs> yeah, well, listen. <laughs> you're reverting back to your ways. Don't go with what you've learned here. But I do want to say one thing when it comes to Booker and why I've warmed up a lot to it is I think ultimately he's a professional back. And what I mean by that is what you just said in your breakdown. He can do all the things you need to do to be a running back, and that includes the vision between the tackles. That includes the ability to be a dual threat on any down, any distance, any personnel grouping to to help your team both in the pass game and the run game, not to be a liability in either. And I think a lot of that comes from what you said, you know, advanced uh, pass production can run the routes. But you don't see that as often in the NFL anymore because of the way college game is transitioned with all these dual back systems and some backs being at, like Michael Carter, for example, he's going to come into the NFL. He's nowhere near a complete back. We both like him from a talent standpoint, but he was asked to do basically a few small things in North Carolina and he did them really well. But you don't have as many backs who were utilized like Booker, who was asked to be the everything back at Utah. Yeah. And he did all, and he had to learn to do everything. He had to learn to do the pass protection. He had to learn to do the route running. He had to learn to be able to read every single situation with the ball in his hands or without the ball in his hands. And so I think that's valuable. I think the Giants prioritized that. And I think in the old days, there were more backs like that, so it wasn't as valuable. But nowadays, finding a booker, like you can try to get Jamal Williams. I think he would have been comparable in that regard. But not all these guys. Some of the guys who we looked at as better actual runners may have not been better fits for what the Giants need from this RB2 position. Yeah, I like Jamal Williams a lot as well. But just for Booker, last year he played 106 snaps with the Las Vegas Raiders, had 93 rushing attempts for 423 yards, which is about four and a half a carry, which is a solid rushing number right there. Three rushing touchdowns, and he had 17 catches for 81 yards. Now, it looks like a lot of those catches were probably just little dump-offs from Carr, and he ended up getting tackled because that's not a overly impressive total for catches when you get uh, somebody in space but I have seen film of him get the football in his hands and actually make some guys miss in space like I said he's not the most agile most highly athletic type of running back like a Saquon Barkley is but he is somebody who has a little bit of juice to him so I think as a number two back I'm I'm more confident than I was last year with someone like Deion Lewis or even Wayne Gallman yeah. somebody I respect and I like Wayne Gallman but I believe Booker's just a little bit more complete than him yeah I would rather have Booker Contracts aside, I would rather yes, have Booker yes. than Wayne Gallman as the RB2, without a doubt, because he's more complete back. And you you may I think you do lose a little bit as a runner. Not too much, but a little bit as a runner, going from Gallman to Booker. But the fact that he can do all the other things just puts him so much far further ahead in my book as the RB2, especially as you've made clear and you're right. There's no certainty with Barkley. We're hoping for the best. I think he's a next-level athlete that can beat an ACL in, a, in less than a year. But it's there's no guarantee. And Booker also, by the way, as you noted, had over, you know, has four, has averaged four yards a carry throughout his career, which is good. It's great number, especially he hasn't been behind any kind of amazing O lines there in Denver for sure. He hasn't, or in, in Las Vegas, Oakland, and in both situations the offenses weren't great either. And those yards per carry numbers, they can be a little deceiving. And we'll talk about this a, a little bit with Corey Clement as well, because. Booker was used in a lot of these offenses that he was previously on as a short yardage back. Now, right. whether that was smart or not, but I, with Denver, he was used in that role. They would bring him in on short yardage, so you're typically going to gain a yard, and that's a successful run in that case. So that's why some of these mm. yards per carries are going to be down a little bit more. One one thing, I, and I don't want to poo-poo this, I do believe, like I said, he can pass protect. He has some solid reps there that I've seen on film, but there is a consistency that I feel like is, isn't always there, and I wrote about that with Sports Illustrated a little bit where there were times where he would go and he would try to make his block and he would his aiming points were a little bit off. Now, he has the aggressiveness. He has the anchor to do so, but there were times when consistency wasn't always the best. And now, can that rear its ugly head? Because, I mean, there's a small sample size here when it comes to pass protection because you can, you know, execute, you know, three great blocks. No one's really going to bat an eye at it. and You miss one and it ends up being a sack mm-hmm. fumble. Everyone's going to point to you sucking, you know? So uh, that's one thing I would say that, you know, 
it doesn't give me a lot of hesitation because I do believe that some of this stuff can end up being fluky sometimes, but it did show up a little bit with his time in Denver. I would say not as much with the Raiders. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And we'll have to see how that develops in camp. He's going to get a ton of reps in training camp. I mean, this is guy is going to be used extensively, I think, throughout the entire training camp because I don't think we're going to see all that much of Barkley. Now, I still think he can beat all sorts of timelines, Barkley, but like you said, he wants to play this day by day. And safe because he has to think about his career. He's still 24 years old. He still hasn't received a second contract. Barkley needs to think about those things. And I know there are people in his head telling him that. His Maybe his family. Certainly his agency. There's no doubt about it those people are telling him that. So Booker could be relied on a lot in camp. And like you said, we're st- we still have some things he's going to need to prove. And, and it's interesting that you brought up part of that is pass protection. Like, yes, we believe he's an upgrade there over Wayne Gallman, but it's not, he's not perfect there. And so that's something even he can work on. Yeah, I'd say Deion Lewis is probably a better pass protector, as I believe I said last episode as well, than a Devontae Booker. But I do believe he's somebody that you can implement more in space and get the football into his hands. I mean, earlier in his career from 2016 to 2018 with the Denver Broncos, he had a bunch of targets. He had over 30 catches in each year. He had over 265 yards in each season. But then this last year in Denver, he was hardly used at all, not even as a rusher or as a as a uh, receiver, and he barely even saw the field. But then with the Raiders last year, Josh Jacobs, he was injured. He was dinged up, and he ended up getting those 17 catches for only 84 yards, picking up two first downs and not really doing much with it. But I believe he's capable of doing more than just that if Jason Garrett can get a little bit creative, and especially since Jason Garrett has all these other weapons that defenses are going to focus on. Yeah, it's true. I mean, he's still young as an NFL player. Like, he can still develop into a different player today than he was last year or than he was two years ago because he was old for a rookie. He's team old rookie. I'm not a huge fan of team old rookie. He is team old rookie. He came in the NFL. He was a 24-year-old rookie. So he's 29. He's older from that standpoint. But as far as tread on the tires goes and just experience he has and reps he has in different situations, passing and rundowns, he still has a ways to go there. I mean, again, entering, what, year six for him? So I think Booker still can improve as a player as well and ultimately the Giants might need him to it's such we'll talk about this later but it's so much there's so much variance I think regarding this person this player's role in 2021 it can be from anywhere from like a massive role to a minuscule role for this team in so many ways and maybe one way that that gets with the latter there because the massive role we know how that would happen Saquon Barkley doesn't come back or Saquon Barkley gets injured again those are the two ways that happens but the 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 I'm sorry, the latter is like, if the next player we're going to talk about, Corey Clement, can be what I think he can be. Because I think Corey Clement can be the passing down specialist for the Giants this season. I think he's proven that he's really good in that role. It's really interesting how fast he's gotten there. He was not used in that role at all during his career at Wisconsin. He was completely used in a totally different role. as like a change of pace pace back with power. And the fact that he learned that role, because it's such a one specific role in the NFL, uh, to the NFL, I should say, two, like, valued role. All these NFL teams are looking for backs who can learn this role, and it takes some of them so long to learn this role of being the passing down specialist. Some of them never get there. Some of them make a career out of it. James White, for example, literally made a career out of it. Gio Bernard, you can argue, made a career out of it. And Clement is trending in that direction, or was trending in that direction. I don't see why he shouldn't still be, of being that passing down specialist. And he learned it so quick. He committed himself he dedicated himself to learning this role because he knew this was his best chance to make the nfl he wasn't going to make it as the back that he entered wisconsin as a high recruit out of new jersey who they wanted to make their featured back or even the change of pace role he had in wisconsin running behind a running back who was a little bit more bet it was a little more talented and a little more successful than him in his role he learned a new role and he's gotten pretty good at it so i have a i'm really high on clement going into training camp I think he's a very, has a very strong chance to make this roster. I want to hear if you share in this enthusiasm, if you have some more concerns than that, or kind of where you feel about Clement entering this 2021 offseason. No, I really like Corey Clement, and I believe that everything you said is valid. I think he could be a really, really solid third back on this team behind a player like Saquon Barkley who's coming off of an injury and a player that the Giants invested a little bit more money in in Booker because just like you said man with Clement he was an undrafted guy out of Wisconsin went down to the senior bowl wasn't really used as a receiver he goes to the Philadelphia Eagles and makes one of the biggest catches in Philadelphia Eagles history in that Super Bowl 
as an undrafted rookie. I mean, that's a huge play. And he also had, I think, five, I think he had five catches for 100 yards in that game, if I'm not mistaken. He had a like a little screen dump off where he made a guy miss and broke it to the center of the field, got all the way down to like the 15-yard line. He had that big catch in the fourth quarter. Over, like It was a perfectly placed ball by Nick Foles, but he still had to drag his feet in the back of the end right. zone with like two defenders draped on top of him. So, I mean, that, that's just stepping up uh, in, in really, really big situations. And I've seen pass protection from him as well. I believe he's probably a better pass protection protector than Saquon excuse me than Saquon Barkley but also then probably uh, Devontae Booker as well I mean he's somebody who Doug Peterson trusted in that role now Doug Peterson he has this proclivity to use several different backs and that's one reason why you didn't really see too much of Corey Clement he loves to have a like three-headed four-headed monster at times it's very very frustrating from a fantasy standpoint but I believe Corey Clement as a third back on this team I mean that gives me a lot of comfort to be honest I'm, I'm, I'm comfortable to, to see that and I believe the competition he can have with Gary Brightwell, Rykel Armstead, I mean, that's awesome. And if you were telling me or asking me, who do you think is going to rise above those three? I would say Corey Clement. Yeah, I think you're onto something here. I mean, if you look at him as a prospect overall, what can he add to the Giants? He can add that role you were just talking about. And at what cost? They didn't have to pay anything to get this guy on the roster. And he can't. has proven, like you said, he can break big plays in the passing game by making people miss. He's proven he can hold up in pass protection. You have some great stats on this. I believe you broke down that he was on, he's was on. he been on the field for 439 passing attempts throughout his entire career, 76 of those in pass pro. He surrendered one sack and eight pressures in total of those. And you reference Barkley, who's had 176, has given up six sacks and 14 pressures. And with 153, which is about double on each case, a little more for Barkley, Booker has allowed six sacks and 14 pressures. So this is a guy who has the size for it. He's 5'10", 220, thick back. Somebody who clearly, like, he was a big recruit for a reason. And that you kind of even reference in his ability with the ball. But also, it helps him in pass protection. So I think he's a, a, I'm not going to say a shoo-in for this RB3 role, but I think he has a huge leg up going into camp. And ultimately, I'm curious if he ends up getting more snaps than Booker. I think there's a path in this 2021 season where Corey Clement finishes the season with more snaps than Devontae Booker. I think absolutely. Say Saquon Barkley is, isn't is injured, right? He's an, he's able to come back. They use Booker early on in the season and then Barkley ends up eventually earning the role where he's getting, you know, what, like 75% of the snaps. I think Clement could win that third down role over if they want to rest Saquon Barkley sometimes over someone like Devontae Booker. And then we'll see Corey Clement out there because of his pass protection ability. And he's more elusive in space than Devontae Booker. So I do believe that's definitely a, a solid call. At the end of the year, we can check the uh, snap counts and see if they both stay healthy. Who ends up seeing the field just a bit more? Yeah, I think the the, the plus money is on Booker having more snaps. So I think you'd have to, you'd get odds. You'd get odds on, on Clement. You'd probably have to get close to plus 200 on the odds, I feel, to make it fair, just because Clement still may not make the roster. Yeah. Booker is a lock for the roster. Oh, right now, I would contract. say it's even more than plus 200. Yeah, but maybe, I think at the know. end of the day, it, it might be a, it might be a wise bet. Dude, I was looking at mock draftable, though, for, for Corey Clement. Yeah, that's why he fell out of the draft. Dude, he, I did not realize that this guy had a 28-and-a-half vertical. That's one. Per- that's the first. That's one. That's one percentile for the running back. That's so bad. That's why you might have a better than. I. 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 I, I, almost de- I definitely I do not. Yes. I do not. I know I don't beat a twenty-eight and a half. If I had to do, if I had to do a vertical jump right now, I'm not beating twenty-eight and a half. I can't jump. <laughs> I. I think I can beat twenty. I'm probably around there, maybe like twenty-seven. So like, but I mean, I, I can't touch the rim. But like, I don't know. Twenty-eight and a half would be tough for me. Yeah. Real tough. But for a football player, for a professional athlete... That's bad. That's real Especially bad. someone like him who's like yoked. He's rocked, bro. Yeah. He is a, he's a stud. It's why he fell out of the draft. He had a really yeah. bad combine. But you could see it on the field. You mentioned it in that Eagle in that Super Bowl season for the Eagles. He has a lot more juice than it looks like. He's really good acceleration, I think. that's That was always his key yeah. calling card at Wisconsin when they gave him the hole and he could do that and he could just cut up and go straight in through all. He was a load. He's coming in mm. at 220. He's rocked up and he's coming and he's breaking through with acceleration. And he's hard to tackle and he can break free. And I still think that skill set can be used in the passing game as well, as we've seen. You mention it with, you know, 100 yards receiving in that Super Bowl game, and he clearly has the skill set to help them in both ways, and I feel like I'm really high on Clement coming into camp. I really have to say that. All right, let's talk about the back who would slot in, I think, for both of us right now in our hypothetical depth chart heading into training camp as RB4. Before we do that, though, let's take a quick break to hear a word from our sponsors. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. 
Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right, that previously teased RB4 for Nick right now and myself as well on our hypothetical giant step chart would be Rykel Armstead. So let's dive a little into Rykel Armstead. Obviously played in his 2019 season with Gardner Minshew when Minshew started to have that little breakout. Was good. I like loved what I saw from him in the passing game, specifically from Minshew uh, during his time with Minshew. Then didn't play at all in 2020. Was on the COVID list before any player. I think he was the first NFL player I saw that news alert of. He's on the COVID list. Remember all last offseason, we were thinking the whole offseason, like, how is COVID going to work? Are we going to get an NFL season? I remember having deep conversations with people in my life like my livelihood relies on football being around for this season we are not going to be able to get through no football and I was a little worried at first I think in the end I realized it was probably overblown those concerns after we saw it play out fine for pretty much but he was the first one where you were like "Uh oh someone's on a COVID list what does that mean he was on the COVID list and went back on the COVID list ended up like having his season be basically a complete wash actually having it be a complete wash and it was only his second season in the NFL after being you know a late round pick but a draft pick the year before from a regime that obviously believed in him out of New Jersey obviously played his college ball at Temple big running back like you said in that same mold they've been building out the roster with here low to the ground but also packs a punch with some explosiveness so I really from a pure talent standpoint I think he's a good prospect and I like that they add him to this roster a lot where do you stand on Armstead I liked what I saw of him out of Temple but I haven't watched so much of him coming out of uh, just Jacksonville, but there wasn't that much to watch. Right. He only had 35 rushes in 2019 for 108 yards, didn't have any touchdowns, had 24 targets, 14 catches for 144 yards, had two receiving touchdowns, but you didn't really get a lot of good tape of him running in between the tackles and trying and like him showcasing his vision. And he was only a rookie on a really, really bad team in a poor situation. So I didn't really know what to take away from Reichwell Armstead and his NFL experience, especially after a deadly sickness that he had, because the way COVID affected him is different than maybe the way it affected other people. So, I mean, it knocked out his entire 2020 season. I mean, I remember hearing about that, and I didn't know Reichwell Armstead would end up on the Giants or anything. And I was like, wow, that's really, really uh, dangerous what ended up happening to him. And that kind of gave James Robinson that upper hand for James Robinson to seize that Jacksonville rushing job. But now that he's a New York Giant, I mean, I think just uh, with all of those factors considered in, it's hard to evaluate that guy who did come out of Temple and that guy that we briefly saw in the league in a limited role in 2019. That was two years ago now. So I would say Corey Clement has probably an upper leg on him, but he's still, what, 20 four years old he's a jersey kind of product and i do remember when he was at tempo he was somebody who would run through your face he was pretty agile he had solid vision but overall i mean everything i've seen from clement makes me much more excited from what i saw from <laughs> Reichel armstead back in college but there's like what can you actually take away from that yeah it's tough to know i mean because there's a chance that armstead could ultimately be in their mind, a more long-term play for them. If they keep him over somebody like Clement, it could be that they see Booker being able to do a lot of things that Clement can do, maybe not quite as well, but close. And then they view maybe Armstead as someone who shows so much in camp. And I think he'll have the opportunity. In training camp is when he'll have the opportunity to show if he's back to the player he was at Temple that made him a fifth-round draft pick and what he flashed a little bit of with the Jaguars. Because like he said, he didn't have many snaps, but he was used decently in the past game and he was pretty good there. And so I think I'll have that opportunity in camp. That's when it'll come. And I think they could keep all four. I think they can keep Barkley, Booker, Clement, and Armstead. It's not likely that they keep all four and Penny, for example. And we know that they probably are the type of team that trends towards with Garrett valuing having a Penny on the roster. Which I 
can go either way. I don't know how much he added to the offense last year. When he was on the field, it was pretty obvious the types of plays they were going to run. That doesn't mean they were going to always run a run play when he was on the field. But even the pass plays, they were kind of based off that run action and based off that tight personnel grouping. So I don't know how much value he has to the offense, but I think maybe the Giants view that differently when it comes to Elijah Penny. And I know none of these backs who we just mentioned can do what he can do. So it probably is a competition between him and Clement, but I wouldn't be so surprised is all I'm saying if he also shows enough juice that he gets himself a spot on the roster and Clement's also there. Yeah, and uh, Clement has an extensive time, and we didn't bring this up before, as a special teamer and thriving within the special teams role, which we know Joe Judge and this team loves. And Reichwell Arms that he was used in 2019 on special teams, but I haven't watched the tape on what he's been able to do as a special teamer, so I can't really weigh into that. But I know he did, according to Pro Football Focus, have 116 snaps there, and it was 78 of them came on the kick return. And I don't believe he was returning kicks, but I could be wrong there. So he was one of those back guys just throwing blocks for whomever they decided to return kicks for them down in Duval. Right. So he has some experience there as well. He's, again, much of an unknown, but just a player who definitely has some juice, definitely has some authority when he's running the football. I think he can create what we were talking about before, yards after contact per attempt. What is proven to be in many ways a good indicator of future success at the running back position can this running back independent of his blocking create yardage independently and there's two ways like i said forcing those missed tackles i'm not so sure he's that type of player but creating those yards after first contact you know not letting that first tackler get you down that's something i think he's shown an ability to do all flashes in the pan so far of course but I'm excited to watch him in training camp as well. Him and I'll have an eye on Armstead and Clement all of training camp. Booker kind of is what he is, and I know he has a role that's valuable to them, and that's fine. But Armstead and and, and Clement are the two that kind of excite me more in that group. It kind of sucks, though, too, man, because in 2019, remember the Jags, they, they used Leonard Fournette in such a three-down role to the point where it's like, all right, like, come on, like you don't have anybody else to get on the field right now to take those third-down snaps, and Fournette ended up getting targeted like an obscene amount of time for him. And then towards the end of the year, they started using Armstead in that role. And then I want to say, I just pulled it up in in week 16. I have it here. He ended up getting 10 carries for only 33 yards, but he had nine targets, five for 52 and a touchdown. So they used him a lot. Kind of setting, you see that a lot with the young guys. Okay, we're going to set you up, see how you do in week 17. And then next year will be your role. But unfortunately, he didn't get that opportunity. That's a great point. He had two games like that. He had a game mid-season, or I guess they just didn't go back to it, really. I, I think uh, I think Fournette got hurt or dinged up or right. kicked out or something happened in that Denver game. And he became the third down guy, the passing down back. He flashed in his last game that he had, really, in the NFL because he missed the whole 2020 season. He had, five, like you said, nine targets, five receptions, 52. That's flashing a third down role. That's giving you a sign to the Giants that they're bringing in another guy to maybe compete for that role. I know the Giants, what they're looking for. They view like they have Barkley and Booker in those lead roles if they need them. And now they need these pass down specialists, which I think is great. It's a New England way. They found a lot of pass down specialists in New England to make that roster. And several teams have copied that blueprint. The NFL is a copycat league. So the Giants will be wise to also copy that blueprint of getting more talented passing down specialists. in. I think there's upside with Clement. I think Clement has proven it personally. I know he's not a huge name. He dealt with some injuries last year. He didn't play as much in the past few years, but he's somebody who's proven he can do it. Raikou Armstead is someone who hasn't proven he can do it, Nick, but I think he's someone who has the skill set to potentially do that exact role, that passing down role. And I like that they're looking for those kind of players. Absolutely. And they're both Jersey guys too, which means something for whatever reason. <laughs> I guess so. I'll take it. Yeah, Tough. Jersey tough. So how about Gary Brightwell, their, their draft pick from this season? Where do we? Where are you at on Brightwell? I there we haven't talked much Brightwell yet. I feel like good old Brightwell. I think he's going to end up being uh, just a practice squad guy. They added all the Brightwell Armsteads and the Corey Clements of the world after they selected Gary Brightwell, which tells me that Brightwell isn't locked to make this roster. I don't think anybody expected him to be since he was a sixth round pick. But I believe there's value in Brightwell. That's why they invested in him. I believe he has a lot of the characteristics to a lesser extent that Devonte Booker possesses i think he isn't exactly the burner but he has solid vision he's actually a little bit more agile i feel like when someone's coming downhill on him he's really really good in one cut type of situations also he can lower his shoulder and fall forward and honestly in his junior season he had like a 90 yard i think like touchdown run that like really i was like whoa i didn't see that on his film like he had breakaway speed in that specific situation although i didn't see that in a lot of other areas of his game i think he's an interesting player that should probably be behind the pecking orders of the Corey clements and the Devonte bookers of the world now if he can supersede those guys and show that hey 
I can play special teams better than these guys, which I don't expect because Corey Clement has an extensive history on special teams. If Michael Armstead had, a, you know, the one year where he played special teams, then maybe he could end up cracking the roster midseason if injuries do end up happening. But I think ultimately he's going to end up just being a practice squad dude. Yeah, that's interesting to think about where he could go and where the, you know, the final where the where the path leads finally at least for the 2021 season which ultimately you could be definitely right on he could be just a practice white guy but i do think he's an interesting prospect you mentioned that long run i saw that too and i thought this guy has breakaway speed it says that doesn't show up it might not show up in the metrics and it might not show up all, as often as you would like but he has some breakaway speed i don't know if he has too much force miss tackle ability and yards after contact ability the, though the latter he definitely has some of I think he's still very like raw as a running back from what I've seen. He's still he has fumbling is still an issue for him. You watched the Arizona game, didn't yeah, you? <laughs> of course. And fumbling, you the know, Arizona fumbling State, is such yeah. a basic issue to have as a running back that yeah. should be cleaned up way early in your career at playing that position. So I still think he has a lot of room to grow. They might view him as that ball of clay. They can mold how they like at the running back position. Mm-hmm. Like, look, you have what we want from the size speed standpoint. You have what we want from everything we're looking to put into running back. Because, like you said, they have a mold. They have a type. Absolutely. if you will, at running back, at least as the roster is constructed now. And they may view him as that type that they can turn into that player. And ultimately, if he makes this roster in year one, could be entirely dependent on does this guy show out on special teams in those three preseason games and throughout training game. Because if he just has wildly good special teams games, they might be like, we have a better shot at winning if we have a Brightwell on our special teams versus a Clement or a Reichel Armstead as our running back that we play four, six snaps a game, maybe, than we do of having one of those guys on special teams and Brightwell play those four, six snaps or Booker get more snaps, for example. So that's kind of the question I think they'll ask themselves here. And all it takes, man, is is like one, like sometimes I feel this way, but obviously there's, you know, this is a very simplistic take. But there's, there's so much evaluation that goes on in training camp and all that. But then in those preseason games, man, if you just make one big play and the entire fan base ends up seeing it, it gets people talking about it, that can just give you the confidence. And the next thing you yeah. know, you're being talked about for one of those final 53 spots and possibly even leapfrogging someone like a Corey Clement or a Reichwell Armstead, which I don't necessarily see happening because I do believe Clement, I just really trust in his talent. But I'm just saying, man, you come out, you ball out in those preseason games, and you show up, and you make big special teams tackles, and then you make a huge fourth-quarter run, catch a few passes. You know, it could uh, open the eyes to Gary Brightwell a little bit there. Yeah, you're 100% right about that. You think about all the players throughout the years who have had those big days in training camp, and then they've kind of—it's always the steady drumbeat players. They have Mm. good— press coming out them through the first training camp then you start to see them move up and start to get some second teams oh now they're trying to get first team snaps mixing in oh they're still making plays with that first team oh now the coach is randomly talking about him after a practice now he now he continues that steady drumbeat with a good preseason game and then before you know it like you said you're not even talking about if they're going to make the roster word and by you i mean me and you people like us the people who listen to this podcast and the people who present it are talking about can this guy be x spot on the depth chart a spot ahead and by that time when that conversation's happening it almost seems like it's clockwork to where he's on the roster and he's already gone from this guaranteed, you know, not guaranteed, will he make it, will he mo- not make it 53-man roster guy to he's on the roster and now where will he be placed? And so that could easily happen for a bunch of these guys. And I agree with you. I still definitely believe Clement has the best chance at it, especially, you know, he's still 26 years old and still has pr- so much tape out there of him doing this specific role well. And I think it was an, I just, I come back to Clement, man, every time. I'm like, how did they get him so cheap? How is there no interest in him? When you watch him on film, you see he can fill this role really well. Why did no one else have interest in getting a player like that? I, I remain surprised by that. Yeah, he was injured in 2019, and then 2020, he returned. He was a little bit more healthy. Obviously, the Eagles had Miles Sanders, and he was dinged up, but they also utilized a couple other running backs ahead of Clement. Clement didn't really see the field, and I think his one like notable play in 2020 <laughs> was a touchdown against the Giants so I mean you just running backs they're they're um there's a lot of them out there right so I think it was more <laughs> of true. one of those kind of problems it was definitely yeah. one of those things I mean all the running backs with the exception of a small handful were have been collected after the first wave of free agency as you see it tend to happen every year yeah, yeah part of why we are low on investing major assets at that position on the big blue banter podcast uh, I mean I won't speak for you but I know that's the case yeah no I'm, I'm the same way but uh Damn, let's talk a little bit about fullbacks for a second. Sure. Yeah, let's transition to fullbacks. And I think there's going to be a little bit of a camp battle between Eli Penny and Colin Gillespie, who they brought in from the 
Houston Texans, and I believe he was released from the Texans because he failed his physical because he had a back injury in 2020. But he's one of those guys who, like, long hair, crazy guy who's going to run around and throw blocks. But he doesn't have a lot of – like, I looked up, and I thought he had more snaps than this playing on the Texans, even though he ended up getting hurt last year. But I think he only had – it's like seven snaps in 2020 before suffering that injury, but I think he was available for a lot of games, if I'm not mistaken. So why wasn't he seeing the field? Was it a product of the offense? I know they like to spread it out a lot more. Jason Garrett likes to condense it a little bit more, but I do believe this could be an interesting battle. And Eli Pennyman, he's slowly becoming like the Frank Gore of this roster, where he's just like here through a bunch of different coaching snap, uh, staffs, and he's not dying, bro. He just stays there and he makes a play every now and again. You're like, oh, good play, Eli Penny. And then you kind of forget that he's even there. I remember when they first claimed Penny off of card off the Cardinals, I believe. Mm-hmm. And he was just on the on the practice squad for the Giants at first. And I was writing an article about him for twenty four seven sports. I was like, this guy's converting from running back to fullback. He's got some juice. Let's see what can happen here. And like you said, he's found a way to continue to make rosters. He only played seventy three snaps. I thought this was crazy to see. Seventy three snaps in twenty twenty, one hundred twenty seven the year before, one hundred twenty three the year before that, both with Shermer. This one obviously with Garrett. And his role is obviously decreasing. I mean, like you said, they found it's not like they subbed him out last year and took his snaps and gave them to receivers. No, 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 no. That's not Jason Garrett. (laughs) He gave those snaps to tight ends. We had tons of 13 personnel out of nowhere and a lot of 12. But it it does seem like he's not using that role the same way as Sherman did. So it will be an interesting battle. But does he see, like you said, Gillespie as somebody who can play more of the H-back slash fullback role that his offense calls for? That could be the case. Like, I think there's a good chance Penny doesn't even make the roster if that's the case. Like, they go to camp. Glebsey plays the role much better, especially how Garrett envisions the role Mm -hmm. to be. And he just says, that's it. You're done, Penny. But it will be interesting to see that battle play out because they're going to go with one of the two, it seems like. Yeah, and they should go with one of the two, in my opinion, because an X factor to this specific conversation to me would be Caden Smith, who was a tight end, obviously, but he executed similar roles, and they would, you know, line up at 13 personnel, be like, all right, screw that, Caden Smith, you're going to line up as a fullback. Like, we talked a little bit about that Saquon Barkley run in the counter-trade play against the Chicago Bears, and then they would line Caden Smith up as a fullback, and guess what? He executed that role pretty solidly, man. He did well kicking out. He did well lead blocking uh, seeing the ally defender or the most dangerous guy and just eliminating him from the play. And I was actually really, really impressed by Caden Smith's growth. And I think his ability to execute those assignments takes away from the Gillespie's and the and the Elijah Pennies because you don't really need them out there and you don't need to go into, you know, multiple running back sets to run that power type of football when you have a tight end who can kick back into the backfield and still execute those assignments well. Yeah, that's another excellent point. It's just adding more versatility and more players who can... Like, you've mentioned this before, and we've talked about this a lot, but I like it. Players who can execute a wide variety of roles. Doesn't matter what their position is, technically, or what it is on paper. You have different roles and jobs that need to be executed on every single play to make it work. Guys who can do more of those things can be on the field for more snaps because then you're not tipping off what you want to do. Mm -hmm. When you have those guys on the field, they can execute both ways. It's such an advantage, and I think they're doing a better job of accumulating players who can do that for them for this season. Absolutely, and and, I mean, I'm... I'm a little uh, intri- I'm intrigued by all these camp battles to be honest, but this is one of those like little like subset ones that no one's going to really talk about that I'll be monitoring to see just because yeah. like I said Eli Penny's been here forever and they signed Gillespie for a reason you know and even like according to CBS uh, is where I read it he failed that uh, failed the physical I believe and uh, that's why he was released by the Texans and that's why he was available for the Giants to sign the Giants obviously respected his game enough to bring him in so it says something about his skill set so we'll see if he ends up earning a role. We'll see if Jason Garrett implements him because he seems like a Jason Garrett type of guy, somebody who's going to block your face off, somebody who's going to, to put himself into a position to to command you at the point of attack and kick you out. And the Giants run a lot of power gap. There's a lot of kick out type blocks. There's a lot of lead blocking from players like Gillespie and Kate right. Smith executed that role well, but maybe they have a different uh, vision for it. Yeah. I mean, that goes to an even greater thing, which I think is like, how cool would it be if the Giants could get a player like that in this system who could maximize that skill set? And you have on the field, he's like, you know, the type of, he comes out of the backfield, he makes catches too. He's running routes and he's beating linebackers too. And he's getting out there and executing the blocks you talked about to make their exact run game that they're trying to get going work. That, I don't know if the, there's so few of those prospects out yeah, there not a lot. that I don't know. Like Kyle Juszczyk. A Juszczyk type, but even better. Yeah. Imagine there's an even better version of Juszczyk. Juszczyk's He'd good, be so yeah. valuable. There's an even better version of that. It's tough because you'd have to have a weird body type. You'd have to be able to really <laughs> block but also run routes. It's, just, it, it's interesting. Do you, but, do you remember when the Giants used Bear pa- Pasco as a fullback? Sometimes? Yeah, Bear Pasco was yeah. interesting in that role. He was interesting in that role. I 
don't exactly. know if he was good as a blocker. He was interesting in that role. But it also, I like this signing because it also makes me think of the NFL in such a fun 30,000 view. The Giants literally have somebody employed right now who's watching enough Texans film that he like spotted Glepsy uh, and he's like, this is a player who could work in our system. Let's take a look at him. Oh, he's free agent now. Let's get him. They had to watch. They're they're looking for such specific things to make a signing like that. When he does, this guy didn't have ma- many snaps or many much tape to work with from last two seasons, and they found him. They liked him. They probably liked him from the draft too. I'm sure that plays a role in it. But I'm sure they're also looking at some of that Texans tape, and they're like, "This is a guy who can be a player for us. Let's bring him in, and we he might be able to fit our system perfectly." Yeah, so yeah, he only played the seven snaps on offense, but another thing that could have intrigued the Giants was the 116 special team snaps that he played throughout seven games. And I'm trying to make a, a link, and maybe somebody knows this. It's not coming to me off the top of my head, but between the New York Giants and Texas A&M, because that's where he ended up going to school. And, I mean, the Giants are just filled with SEC guys, but I don't know if there's an A&M guy that's quickly coming to me. Yeah, I don't know if they have a connection there either. It's not coming to me either quickly, but you're right. They've been picking from the SEC for a while now, and good for them. SEC gets all the talent. You should go there. Exactly. It's, not only does it get all the talent, it has some of the best coaching. So now you know these players are not only the most talented to come out of high school, for the most part, the majority, but they're also receiving the best coaching and the best teaching, more importantly, not just coaching, teaching yeah. in college. So that's like a good thing, a reason I like them going there. But let's dive into the next segment on the show, which will be big questions facing the position. So we'll start here. And just you can answer this however you like, Nick. You can do a quick answer, a long answer, whatever you want, buddy. When will we first see Saquon Barkley in 2021? Week one. I think he's going to be there week one. I don't believe the Giants are going to uh, give him more than 65% of the snaps. I, I think it's going to be maybe even more of a like 35, uh, 35 probably percent of the snaps, 40% of the snaps, and then Booker's going to be a little bit more heavily involved against the Broncos, depending on if we see him at all in preseason, obviously. But in my hypothetical situation where it is week one, I don't believe they're going to uh, give him you know more than like 60%. So I'm going to say a sub 50 Okay, my prediction would be close to yours, but not the same. Mine's week one, not before that, not in the preseason, but I think he'll have normal 85 to 90% role. Oh, I love that, yeah. Because the way I see this injury, it's just a different viewpoint of kind of how I see the injury. It's the ACL. For When you hear these, these players, not just running backs, all NFL players talk about coming off the ACL, they, all they say is, it's the mental more than the physical for them. They have to get over a mental hurdle of not thinking about their mm-hmm. ACL, not thinking about their knee when they execute plays. Once he gets over that mental hurdle, I don't think there's any real reason to not give him his normal workload, his 90%. He doesn't need a week or two at 60 because once you're over that, you're already healed from the injury. Your, your knee is now fully healed. It's back to what some say is even stronger post-ACL than it was. I don't know if i buy that, but let's say it's close or the same. If you're over the mental hump, there's no reason in my mind to keep you off the field because you're not saving a player. It's not like he he needs to play a little less but right when he's coming back off the injury to kind of work your way back. It's either healed or it's not healed. And by that point, if he's going out there and suiting up and playing in an NFL game, I hope it's healed because <laughs> if not, that's a whole another story. And the medical team has a lot of questions to answer. But once it's healed, man, I think he's back right in the saddle. I don't see any real reason to keep him off. Yeah, I just look at this Giants team in general, and the Giants organization, but even the coaching staff, I just feel like they're going to be a bit more conservative with him coming back. And that, that's kind of Possibly. where I'm at. Yeah. I, I mean, I'm imagining that he's going to be 100% whenever they put him out there. Hopefully that is week one. But I do believe they'll be like, look, we signed Devontae Booker for a reason, so he's going to end up you know, alternating uh, series and stuff like that. Yeah, we'll be inter- I'll be interested to see which one plays out. Because they're definitely both possibilities. I don't feel super confident about mine. I'm sure you live the same way. So let's go on to question two. Can Devontae, will Devontae Booker be a better replacement than Wayne Gallman? I think so, to be honest. But I like, and I love Wayne Gallman. I'm not trying to, you know, like speak highly of the new giant while the other giants now in San Francisco. But I believe, as I said earlier, Booker is a little bit more complete than Wayne Gallman. As much as I appreciated Gallman just churning through uh, tackling attempts and everything, I believe he was somewhat of a liability in pass protection. I think Booker can be a little bit of an upgrade in that area, which means that he can be out on the field for different situations and not tip the hand as much as Gallman would have. Yeah, we broke it all down earlier in the podcast, so no reason to rehash, but I'm just going to say yes. And Obviously, you got our breakdown earlier. Let's go on to the next one. Who will be the early season third down back? Early season is the key here, so interesting. Okay, so just because it's early season, because I think, look, look, we talk about Corey Clement. We talk about a lot of these guys in the third down role, but honestly, man, like, do you really want to take a fully healthy Saquon Barkley off the field? No, you don't, unless it's like a big run and it's one of those types of situations. Yeah. But for this early season, I'm going to go with Corey Clement, bro. 
I'm gonna go with Booker here because mm. I'm. This is just I, I'm just building my narrative. My narrative stay, has to stay online. You know, that's just like any good story. So my narrative is that Barkley's 100% by week one. And he's getting that 80% role. So along that narrative, they have to justify the contract they signed Booker to. So they put him in that third down role. <laughs> okay, which is fine. Yeah. But ultimately, I hope they get out of that and they don't get comfortable with that because optimally this offense is not at its best when Booker's in that role I think it's at a better level when Clement's in that role and it's at its best level as you reference when Barkley's in that role but it's not traditional you have to if you're putting Barkley in on third downs use him as a weapon have him run routes that make linebackers have to account for him have him run routes that make the safety have to at least think about him so before you commit to a deeper post or before you commit to a different kind of route use him as a weapon don't use him in pass protection yeah. limit his opportunities overall in pass pro now if you're playing an aggressive game planner like Todd Bowles was against the Giants last year, and I go back to this game because it's a, not a good blueprint for Daniel Jones. It's the worst game he's had of his career. And if you're facing that, then I don't know what you can do because you can't really just have all them run routes. You need to have someone account for these unprotected blitzers. So then you have to get creative in ways to block them. And so far, I mean, really and ultimately, you have to get a quarterback who's going to be able to beat that by himself, in my mind, just by putting the ball in the right spots. But in those regards, yeah, sure, you don't want to see Barkley on the field. Maybe he's not your best pass protector. And then you bring on Corey Clement. You can adjust. But overall, like you said, the best, the most optimal offense is one that features Barkley on third downs. Yeah, and that's what we would all hope. So, Dan, next question. I think this is an easy one, to be honest. Corey Clement or Reichwell Armstead? Are you saying for a final roster spot? Yes. If, you, if you're going to cut one of the two, I'm going to go with Clement. As am I, yeah. yeah. Wish that was a little bit more disagreement there, but... Uh. No, <laughs> well, you mean you're going to cut Armstead. I like Armstead. You're going to cut Armstead. Yeah, yeah, I think, cut Armstead. Yeah, 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 yeah. Keep Clement. I like Armstead, but if I have to pick one of the two, I like Clement a lot more. Yeah, same here. Just because of the role he can play. All right, last question. Will Gary Brightwell ever earn more than eight carries in a single game? Ever? Like his whole... This one you wrote no. up. Ever's Giants career? No, nah, no. Nah, just this season. Okay, I'm going to go with the definitive no. Yeah, I'm going with no as well. Yeah, Unless it's in preseason. <laughs> yeah, if you're counting preseason. All right, that's all we have for today on the big questions. And we're going to have a rotating segment every week for today. It's a stat to remember. This one stood out to me, so I'm going to throw it out there. During his rookie season, Saquon Barkley rushed for 141 yards and one touchdown against whom? That was the Washington football team. He also did this. Because he totaled 170 rushing in that game. So he said, what, what about those other 141 is important? Well, here's what's important. He rushed for those 141 rushing yards when facing the eight defenders in the box, according to next-gen stats. That was in week 14. That was the most rushing yards in a single game when facing eight defenders or more in a box since NFL next-gen stats began tracking defenders in the box as a statistic. So he had the best performance in a single game by far, against eight defenders in the box. And what does that tell you? Well, it tells you this. If teams are going to try to defend Saquon Barkley with eight in the box, that could be a problem for opposing defensive coordinators. We hope it is. It should be. They have got these guys on the field. Hopefully Jones can make that work, but it should be a problem. He's proven that he can win no matter what you really throw at him as a running back. Yeah, no. I mean, I have not much to add there because he's just put it on display so many different times. And we have one question from the listener, Dan. And that's our guy, Giants fan in Charlotte. Shout out to Giants fan in Charlotte. Great follow. Go follow him. In 2018 and 2019, Barkley played 83% of the snaps. Do you think Judge will use him at that frequency again if healthy? 83% leaves 10 to 12 snaps per game for the other backs. Is that enough for running back three to see the field? And then he also says, is running back three talk really about insurance for Saquon? So it's a great question. It's a really three-pronged question there. Excellent question, as always, from Giants fan in Charlotte. I think, again, I really do believe that they will use him in that same role. I think if you have a Barkley on the roster, you have to use him in this role. Otherwise, why do you have him on the roster? I think they will eventually. I don't think they're going to come out the gate doing it. That's kind of like um, my stance on it. Well, he said if healthy. Yeah, no, I think he'll oh, be okay. healthy, and I still think like week okay. one they, they won't come right out of the gate and give him 80% of the snaps. I think it's going to be more conservative than that. Okay, so then let's say – well, let's answer it this way. He said if it – let's do the hypothetical then. Okay. Because he said if he does reach that 83% like he was. And let's say we'll go in any range, 80 to 83%. That means 10 to 12 or it'd be about – if we're going a little less, 10 to 13, 10 to 14 snaps a game for other backs. Is that enough for a running back three to ever see the field? I think if that running back three is Corey Clement or Reichwell Armstead, I'd say Reichwell Armstead showed, hey, I'm, I'm done with COVID. I'm back to the prospect that I could have been and I grew from that. Then, yes, I do because I believe the personnel at this running back 
in the running back room is better than it was last year with Saquon Barkley, Deion Lewis, Wayne Gallman, I think Devontae Booker, Corey Clement, or a Reichwell Armstead is an upgrade over that. So I think a running back three would end up seeing the field in the situation that Saquon Barkley's not playing over 80% of the snaps. Yeah, I agree. I think building just back from my narrative, staying on that straight line, ultimately I'd settle in as my guess would be somewhere in the 75 to 77% range for Barkley. And I think what you'll see is a series or two max, but mostly probably one series a game that Booker gets. Mm -hmm. Then I think you'll see a split of third down duties between Barkley, Booker, and Clement. So I do think all three backs will see the field this season. Now, I don't know what that split will be between Booker and Clement. Ultimately, I know that he may be the only one to get that series, as in Booker over Clement. And maybe Barkley ends up taking more third down uh, passing snaps than we than we thought or than we you know, were expecting. But having said that, I still see a scenario where all three are playing on the on this field really game after game. I mean, Barkley is a way different player yes. than Wayne Gallman and Alfred Miller. So let's get that out of the way first off. But with this injury early on in the season... I think what we saw from Jason Garrett in 2020 with the Alfred Morris combination with Wayne Gallman and then Devonta Freeman was also used, and they like to use multiple backs. I think that alludes to the fact that Garrett did like to do that. So I think early on with the Saquon Barkley injury, we may see more Booker than we may even want to see. But I mean, I think ultimately when he continues to kind of come back and he proves that he's fully back i think you're going to see more saquon barkley it's going to get more up towards that 85 percent number which it should be to be honest because like i said earlier you don't want saquon barkley not on the field he's way too talented for that and you invested the second overall pick in this guy too yeah and you're a better offense every time he's every on the time. field you're a worse offense every time he's on the sideline there's yes. no debate over that no debate. that is no. there's no one on this roster at the running back position who's anywhere close to as much of a threat when on the field as Saquon Barkley and it's not even close no. you can make the case that let's say I don't know Darius Slayton is not too many light years behind a Ganny Galladay maybe or you make the case that Darnay Holmes is not too many light years behind a Bradbury maybe but when you're looking at Barkley versus Devontae Booker. A healthy Barkley, yeah. Or a healthy Barkley versus Corey Clement yeah. versus uh, Reichwell Armstead, that's not even on the same level. No, not even. Like, a so, healthy Barkley is a top three running back in this league. Without a doubt. I would say top five without a doubt. I'd say I'd say top five without a doubt. I wouldn't say top three without a doubt. Because Derrick Henry is one that everyone always forgets, and it's like, no, no. no. It's like, you can't. He's so good, dude. I'd say Henry, Chubb, and Cook would be the three above Barkley right now for And McCaffrey, too, me. man. And then McCaffrey versus Barkley, I'd probably go with McCaffrey, but I don't want... That one's closer to me than the other three. Yeah, and then I think I would put Barkley over even, like, guys like Kamara. I'd somebody put him over I love. Yeah, I'd put him over Kamara. Zeke. Yes. Uh, would I put him over... Kamara Zeke for sure. Jonathan Taylor's an interesting one to me. I would go with Barkley. For now, Healthy yes. Barkley. For now, yes. Yes. But that is an interesting one to me. And you got I would guys go like for Cam Barkley Akers too. who are also studs, but I would still go with Barkley. Oh, Barkley way over Akers. I'd put Barkley way over Ezekiel Elliott, though Elliott at his best is exactly kind of what Chubb and Cook do so well. But Elliott seems to have lost a lot of juice to me over the years. I don't know. Yeah, he's going to have to come back. But yeah, no, I, I think... Uh, put him over Elliott. I think like the ones in the conversation would be McCaffrey, Henry, uh, Cook, and Chubb. Those would be... Yeah. Yeah. McCaffrey, Barkley, Henry, Cook, and Chubb are probably five. the five you talk about right now in that regard. I'm trying to think, some would probably put Camara as well. I, and I think that's respectable that's too, respectable. but I would ultimately end up going with Barkley, I think. Yeah, Camara is just not as much of a traditional back in that way. And I don't know if he can be used as much in that role. But anyway, that's it for the running back preview on the Big Blue Banter podcast. Thank you again for tuning in to both parts. Hopefully you did. Hopefully you sent us a little rating and review on itunes that's all we'll ever ask please just please help us grow the show head over to itunes subscribe to the pod download the pod leave us a rating and review then go over to youtube this this whole process would probably take you 40 to 60 seconds and yet the amount of joy it would provide both nick and i (laughs) in our lives would far exceed that so y'all ask you the question do you want to far exceed the joy in our lives for 60 seconds of your time or not and that's on you but if you do you hit set, hit part two go to your instagram account right now on your phone click that app type in ny big blue banter and then hit uh, like and subscribe on instagram follow us there then finally on youtube big blue banter into the youtube search you'll see our logo click that click subscribe watch some videos there have some fun otherwise have a great rest of your week and we'll talk to you soon